Well, good morning. We want to welcome each of you to Celebration Church this morning. We want to welcome those that are joining us uh, in Appleton and in Stevens Point and those that are joining us on the web as well. Great to have you a part of our service today. Uh, why don't, let me invite you all to go ahead and stand with us as we, together at all our campuses, declare that one thing that we uh, believe, the thing that we base our foundation on here, the Apostles' Creed. So join with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Amen. Well, this morning, it is the first Sunday of the month, and typically we give you a quick update on where we are with our Go Beyond. So we want to do that this morning. if you take a, have a look at the slide that we have up on the screen, the different campuses, our Appleton campus, the, the, the figure with the Go Beyond uh, uh, giving is right, just right around $45,000. Stevens Point is hitting pretty close to $100,000 now, just a little bit short of that. The West Green Bay campus, $115,000. And here at the East Green Bay campus, $436,167.50. They left the 50 cents part out there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wonderful, isn't it? We've been in this, ca- this campaign for just over 18 months now, uh, I think it's just around about there, and let me encourage you, if you pledge towards the Go Beyond, we want to encourage you to be faithful and continue to give. If you're new to the church and you weren't here when the pledges were initially made, then you can still jump in and participate with us. We'd love to encourage you to do that. Uh, just go to the guest services counter, there's some information there, and you can be a part as we continue to stir the vision and fulfill the vision that God has for us. So as we give towards the Go Beyond, which is over and above our usual giving, our, our, our tithe and our offering, giving towards the vision that God has called us to here in Green Bay. Thank you so much for your support. Well, this morning, we have a special guest speaker, uh, someone that's a great friend of Celebration Church and a great personal friend of Pastor Mark and Debbie and his wife, Sherry, that is here with him as well. So this morning, I want to invite you to give a great rousing applause as the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher comes and shares God's word with us this morning. Good morning. I'm honored to be here, and my wife Sherry's here. Sherry, why don't you stand up and wave at everybody? I wasn't scheduled to be speaking here this morning. Sherry and I came up on Tuesday to spend some time with Mark and Debbie and hang out and be friends. And I'm a, I'm a friend guy, you know, it's like I... I believe in friendships. I don't have disposable friendships in my life. It's like I got friends that are having brilliant times, and I got friends that are having stupid times. And I didn't come up here because Mark's having stupid time, just so you'll know. Uh, We just came up to hang out and just be friends. And, you know, it's a powerful thing when we can be friends with each other. There are some times in your life where you're going to need somebody to be your friend. How many of you have never heard me speak before? 
You're new. Okay, man, there's a whole bunch of you. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. That's the land of the free and the home of the chiefs. Uh, that y'all beat us bad, so I'm preseason, but we won't talk about that because we did spoil your perfect season, you know, a while back. But, uh, but anyway, so we're here. I am an evangelist. That's what I do uh, by vocation, which means I have opportunities to be both inside of the church, like I am this morning, and outside of the church. One of the things that we do annually is that we we have a, our largest outreach of the year is we go to Sturgis, South Dakota, to the motorcycle rally, and there we we do what we do. Last uh, August, just a few weeks ago, we ha- we went. Pastor Mark actually came with us and uh, played organ for the band for my band, and we did eleven performances in five days. And if I'd, if I'd have known I was speaking, maybe when I'm back in November, I'll bring this picture of him. I have this picture of him collapsed in a chair with his hat down over his eyes. And I walked over and said, sissy. But, uh, but uh, we were able to do that. One of the places we performed is a place called the Legendary Buffalo Chip. And that is not a church venue, just so you'll know. And uh, it's always fun. It's interesting to get out with people that don't believe like we believe. Because, it's so, because they have this longing. The gospel is the supernatural story of truth that connects to every human heart. The Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, a divine sense of purpose working throughout the ages, which only he can fulfill. Every one of us have this void. And when we hear the gospel, the real gospel that's not attached with religion, about how Jesus loves us, it connects to every heart. And in every one of those places where we go, we see people that come to us and open up their hearts and receive the seed of the love of God that God has for them. And it's always so remarkable. I've been working on, um, I'm getting ready to record another um, album. And I wanted to go back and record some old songs. And so I'm calling it New Old Stuff right now. Uh, NOS, New Old Stuff. And as I've been studying these songs, I found some real treasure, some real prize theological masterpieces in the lyrics of some of these songs. And it's just so stunning. So I want to read to you one of these songs. It was written in 1855, and I'm going to read the nine verses. So the next time you're thinking praise and worship's going a little long, just be glad that they're not singing a song that has nine verses. But I, w- I want to read this song because it just, so, it just so touched my heart when I was reading it. And I believe it'll touch your heart. It goes like this. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect It tells me of a father's smile beaming upon his child. It cheers me through this little while, though desert, waste, and wild. It tells me what my father hath in store for every day. And though I tread a darksome path, yield sunshine all the way. It tells me of one whose heart can feel the deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. It bids my trembling heart rejoice. It dries each rising tear. It tells me in a still small voice to trust 
and never fear. Jesus, the name I love so well, the name I love to hear, no saint on earth its worth can tell, no heart conceive how dear. This name shall shed its fragrance still along this thorny road, shall sweetly smooth the rugged hill that leads me up to God. And there with all the blood-bought throng from sin and sorrow free, I'll sing the new eternal song of Jesus' love for me. And the chorus goes like this. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can gather together, that we can sing praise to you, that we can give you thanks for the many, many things that you've done for us, including the blood that Jesus shed for us and the resurrection. Lord, I pray today that as I speak that this message would enter into our hearts as seed. And Lord, that that seed would explode in our lives and it would have impact in our actions. Lord, that this would not just be a word that we hear, but it would be a word that we do. And Lord, I pray that you would give us all the ability to live this message, this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to preach to you a message that I've titled Dream Acceleration. We all have these dreams in our lives and we're all interested and we should be interested in seeing those dreams fulfilled. If our worldview, our worldview is from a very limited reality. Our view of life on this planet is very limited. We don't see things the way that they really are. Only God does that. If we think that we see things as they really are, we live a very small life, and here's why. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. There are these times in life where God just hauls off and surprises us. I love that about the Lord, where things happen to us that are beyond what we could comprehend, beyond what we could think, that are so wonderful that it just takes, it makes us speechless. It's beyond us. So we can't limit our life, our view of the world around us just simply based on what we can see with our own eyes. Because if we do, every now and then, when we do, every now and then, God will shake us and he'll reveal just a little bit of his reality. And when I think about things that are beyond my ability to comprehend, I know that I must be dreaming. I must be dreaming. Especially when it comes to the things of God because he's always taking us to things that are more wonderful than we can imagine. It's just like a dream. Dreams are those divine insights from God that encourage us that there is something better. There's, that encourage us to risk, to press in, and to do great things. One thing that I've learned in studying about dreams, I've learned a key dream qualifier. If you have a dream and you want to know if that dream is of the Lord, here's one way that you can discern whether your dream is from the Lord or not. 
Every dream from the Lord is about the family. A dream qualifier. Every dream of the Lord is about the family. Why? Because that is his dream. This planet exists. We are here because God has a dream. It's the theme of the Bible from beginning to end. The theme of the Bible, God's dream is this. He desires to be a father with a family. Every dream from the Lord is tied to the reality of how it impacts the family. Dreams are a New Testament standard of communication. Three times in the first two chapters of the first book of the New Testament, God speaks specifically to the family via the instrument of dreams. And when I think about dreams, I always think about Joseph the dreamer. You know about Joseph, he had this dream. And this dream and his father's favoritism caused him to be hated by his brothers. Hated so badly that his brothers conspired to murder him. But instead of murdering him, they sold him off into slavery. He gets to Egypt where he was sold as a slave, and there he gets in further trouble and he becomes incarcerated. All because of this dream that he had that had to do with the family. But one day something happened in Joseph's life that caused his dream to accelerate. I believe it's a key kingdom principle that you and I need to pay attention to. And we find it in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And that will be my text, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. It reads like this. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me. Your dreams. Now, you can imagine, can you imagine the emotion of this moment? Can you just place yourself into that story? The most frustrating thing in your life, the thing that you thought was going to be the thing that was going to bring you the most joy has been frustrated for decades. It's only brought you one thing, or it's only brought you pain, suffering, and embarrassment. It's caused all of your dignity to be gone. It's caused all of this agony in your life. And all you can do, probably at this point in Joseph's life, all he can do is think about surviving, and these guys show up. These two guys that he's in prison with show up, and they all of a sudden start talking to him about dreams. And first, Joseph tells them truth, that interpreting dreams is God's business, and it is. But then he says something that's absolutely remarkable, and I believe it's a key for us. He says, go ahead and tell me your dreams. And Joseph participates in the dreams of these other people. The key to the message that I'm speaking to you today about dream acceleration is this. Our dreams accelerate when we become interested in the dreams of other people. Our dreams accelerate when we become interested in the dreams of other people. From this point on, Joseph's dreams began to rapidly accelerate. It took a few years from this moment, but all of a sudden, he went from being a convicted felon to vice president of that country. That's what it would be like in our terms. Convicted felon locked up in the penitentiary 
to vice president. And it started accelerating when he became interested in the dreams of other people. This is the main purpose of all ministry, helping others fulfill their God-given dreams. This is the way the kingdom works. It is the example that Jesus came to show us. God was interested in us. He values and prizes us, the crown of his creation. He sent Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is the principle that is throughout the word of God. It's the way the kingdom works. In helping others live their dreams, somehow our dreams just get taken care of. And for those of you that know what I'm talking about, you know that that's true. What are the dreams of others? What are the dreams of other people? I believe at their core, this is the dream of us all. We want to experience the love of the family. People may not know this is their dream, but it is. To be loved, to be valued, and to be accepted. They may not know how to function in or find their dream, but this is why we do what we do. This is the purpose of ministry. And when people look to us to interpret their dreams, how do we assist them in experiencing the love of the family? Because people everywhere are looking for the answer, for an answer. And you and I have found the reality of that answer. That answer is God made access for us to be adopted into his family. He made a way for us to be accepted into his family. That's why Jesus came to do what he did. And when people come to us and they have these dreams and they don't understand their life and they look to us and we say, go ahead and tell me your dreams. How do we help them in interpreting their dreams? What can we do to be interested in the dreams of other people? In Proverbs 18, verse 6, it talks about a gift. I'm going to read it out of three translations, Proverbs 18, verse 16. It says this in the New King James. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The New Living Translation says, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. The New International Version says, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Every time I've read this scripture before, I always related gift to ability. And that, that's a probably a good translation. You know, I'm a guitar player, so when I use my gift, it opens the door for me to have access into people. It opens the door. It gives me access to important people. Who are those important people? They are every person that I come in contact with. Why? Because God loves and values and treats them and esteems them with high regard. But as I studied this passage of Scripture, I went to the Hebrew dictionary for this word gift, and this is what I found, I found it translated. It's like this. That which you presently have to give away. A gift. 
It's something that each one of us has, and it will be unique in each one of our experiences. It won't look the same because we are not the same. It will be groomed custom, just perfect for who you are. But that which you presently have the way. It's the John 3.16 concept. For God so loved the world that he gave. That which he had to give was Jesus, and he gave Jesus to us. We have a gift to give away. Some of our gifts are time. And when I say time, I feel stress. I feel this overwhelming stress. You don't know my schedule. I got five kids. I got all this stuff going on. I got all these responsibilities and all these things, and I, I perfectly understand that. But if we, like I said in the beginning, if we only see things based on our limited reality, we will live a small life. God is able to go beyond what we can ask or think. We might think that we don't have enough time to give a gift to someone, but we do. And here's how I know. There's a story in the Old Testament, and guess what? It's about the family. And the family is in a battle. The family is fighting for survival. And Joshua and his men are fighting this battle, and they're about to win the battle that's going to help preserve the family, but the sun's going down. If the sun goes down, they won't be able to complete the battle. And God makes the sun stand still in the sky. He made time stand still for them so that they could fulfill the purpose of preserving the family. Don't be limited by time. Don't just say, I don't have time to give a gift to a person who is struggling to discover the reality of the family. You and I have time to do that. It might be ever so small and ever so microscopic. The Bible tells us this. The kingdom is like a seed. Now, if any of you follow my blog or my Facebook post, last summer I did a whole series on seed. I just did a weekly thing every week talking about seed. And it all started because I had a, the wind blew over a tree in my yard. And a friend and I were out chopping up this tree in the yard. And he all of a sudden points up at the guttering of my house and goes, look, look at that. And out of the guttering of my house was a stalk of corn growing, about this high. So what's the deep spiritual meaning of that? I need to clean my gutters out. That's what the deep spiritual meaning of that is. If you look at Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the sower, this guy is like the worst farmer on the planet. He's got seed, he's throwing it on the road, he's throwing it in the rocks, he's throwing it in the bushes, he's throwing this stuff everywhere. It's like, doesn't he care? You know, doesn't he care about what happens with the seed? His job is I have this thing in my hand and I need to get it out of my hand because when I get it out of my hand, it's going to do something. And here's the interesting thing that I recently found in that passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 4. Every seed, regardless of where it landed, did something. 
Every seed, regardless of where it went, did something. And this is what it taught me. When it comes to the things of the kingdom, there are no bad seeds. Every time that we take... Thank you. I appreciate that. Every time that we give that which we have to give away into someone's life, it might not produce a hundredfold. It might not be the thing that brings them to faith, but you can trust that it is going to do something because when it comes to the kingdom, there are no bad seeds. Many of us have talents and we're not making those talents available to people who are looking to find those dreams. You know why we don't do that? Because we judge our own talents. We judge our own gifts. And we're not good at judging. In fact, I believe that's why God said, don't do it. Don't judge. And self-judgment is sometimes some of the most deceptive judgments. What you have that you devalue as your gift might be something that is oh so precious to someone else. It might be the very thing that they are needing that's going to make a difference in their life. Don't be caught judging your own gift. Give it. Give it. And how does that look in real life? It looks going to look different in every situation. When Sherry and I came to Jesus... We had zero ability. Thank you, baby. We had, we, had, we, had, we had zero. My pastor said when I came to Jesus, I was, this is a quote. I'm not making this up. He said, he's the horse that came in last. <laughs> Just hanging on by his fingernails. And Jesus found him. But we had some time. So we gave of our time. We, we, we were hillbillies. I mean, we, we were living in the smallest populated county in the state of Missouri, 5,000 people in the county. The name of the church we got saved in was God's Sheep Shed, <laughs> where all the big sheep and the little lambs get fed. That's right. And we just started giving our time and doing things that needed to be done. For seven years, I cleaned toilets in the church. That was the time that I had to give, and that was the gift. I knew how to run a toilet brush, and I developed this intercessory prayer ministry. Oh, God, surely pastor needs to be down here doing this instead of me. There got to be a deacon or an elder that needs this ministry more than I do. I shared this message down in Alabama a few weeks ago, and I got an email from a lady that was in the service, and she told me a story. It impacted her that she, when she left the service, she said, I've got something to give. I've got something to give away. I've got a gift. And when I'm interested in the dreams of other people, it's going to help them, and it's going to accelerate my dreams. And she went home, and she started to look for a way that she could share her gifts. She had, like all of us do, had devalued the things that she had. She had not, you know, she, her self-esteem wasn't the best, but she, a few days later, learned that one of her neighbor's mother had passed away, and so she made a loaf of bread and took it to the house of this lady. 
And as she gave it to her, she gave her her gift. And the lady said, oh, my mama used to bake bread. And this reminds me of my mom. But the lady whose mother had passed, she said, as much as my mom broke bread, you would have thought that I would know how to bake bread, but I don't. And the lady just said, can I teach you to bake bread? She became interested in the dreams of other people. What did she have to give? She had compassion, she had concern, and she had a loaf of bread. There are opportunities all around you and I to be interested in the dreams of other people. But only if we're willing to not view them and to not view our gifts through our own limited reality. Because God will take a seed that we sow and he'll do great things with it. As an evangelist for the last 14 years, I've had a single message when I'm in church. I encourage churches and people like you to do one thing, and that's invite somebody to come to church. And here's why. There was some research done a few years ago, and that research went out and asked people that don't go to church, what would it take to get you to attend church? This is in America. This is, this is here where the media is telling you that nobody wants to hear what you have to say, that nobody's interested in what you have. Just keep your mouth shut. They went out and asked people that don't go to church, what would it take to get you to attend church? And 96% of them said that they would be likely to attend if they were invited. But then they went to people who go to church and they said, would you invite someone to come to church with you? 2% said that they would be likely to invite someone to come to church. Our, our culture says we have this dream. We want to be, we want to experience the love of the family. Would you invite us to come? And we say, no. So I encourage you to do this. Maybe you don't know specifically what your gift is. But maybe you can take that one thing and be interested in the dreams of other people. What are the dreams of other people? They want to experience the love of the family. And you being interested in other people's dream, it causes the, your dreams to be accelerated. And just be interested enough to say, hey, come to church with me this Sunday. I'll fix you dinner. I'll come pick you up. You will experience something that you haven't experienced maybe in this life, and that's love, value, and acceptance. It's a wonderful thing. Well, I so appreciate being here. I so love Mark and Debbie, Sherry and I do. And I love the staff and the team here. I always am, am found great, um, great love when I come here, and I feel that with the church as well, with you all. And I just hope that when you leave here today that this message will sink down inside your heart you'll be interested in the dreams of other people, that you'll know that they are looking to experience the love of the family that you've been adopted into, and that you'll use that which you presently have and give that to them. It might not look like much. It might just be plain, ordinary things like baking bread or, or having some patience or showing some kindness, but you'll be surprised how powerful that seed is. So thank you so much for being here this morning. I hope that you're encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that, 
Lord, that you've given us your seed, the seed of greatness, the love of God, your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we go out today, Lord, that we would see opportunities like we've never seen them before to be interested in the dreams of other people, to help others experience the love of this great family that we've been birthed into. Thank you, Lord. Use us all greatly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.